Corinthians chapter 15 tonight. It's where we'll be uh, taking our text from in the message. We've been looking at Luke chapter 12 over the last three weeks, and that was a passage where the Lord was really um, instructing his disciples uh, to prepare themselves and to, to, uh, to not um, slack off or take for granted that, um, that, that they had time and, uh, uh, and that, that, that there, was, uh, there was still time and opportunity to uh, accomplish the important things. And there was no time to be given really to, um, uh, to, to materialism. There was no time to be given to selfishness and worldliness. Uh, but that the really the emphasis of that passage was to live life in a state of, of, of readiness for the Lord's return, in a state of expectation of the Lord's return. And um, here we're going to uh, just keep going forward kind of logically into this truth um, to actually the, the rapture. And what we're talking about here tonight is the, the mystery of the rapture. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, to, to jump way ahead of myself here, um, in verse 51, which we'll get to tonight, says, Behold, I show you a mystery. And that mystery that he goes on to describe um, is the, the event of the rapture, that that, that uh, event of the rapture is going to take place, and that all of those um, who have been saved uh, since, uh, since the uh, uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ until the... the uh, until the return of Jesus Christ in that, in that re- return in the clouds, the rapture, uh, all of those will be uh, caught up. And that uh, was a mystery uh, that was revealed here uh, through Paul uh, to the church, um, how the Lord would return. So we're going to look at some things about this tonight. Uh, but the Lord did declare uh, the signs um, that his coming, uh, when, of, when, of when his coming would be be uh, drawing nigh. Uh, he gave instructions to us of what to look for. He gave commandments to us to watch and to be ready to be prepared for that. Even um, at the end of Luke 12, as we looked at, uh, he challenged um, his disciples uh, to be discerning and to discern the time and to walk um, circumspectly and not as fools, but as wise uh, and understanding what the will of the Lord is. These are things that Paul instructs the church to do um, in, 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 the, in the light of that, of that truth. Um, we are we're called here to be um, understanding what the will of the Lord is. Tonight we're going to see another verse. It tells us to be awake to righteousness and uh, to, um, uh, to, to have, our, have our spiritual eyes wide open, understanding uh, what time it is, um, what the, the level of urgency is uh, with a realization that the Lord could return at any moment. And, and that's how we are to uh, live our lives. Um, we must know what to look for. Um, and then in knowing what, what to look for, we're then to look for it. We're to pay attention. We're to um, uh, understand the spiritual climate of the world and understand that the world is, um, as prophecy and, uh, and scriptures tell us, the world is waxing worse and worse and that perilous times are not coming, <laughs> but perilous times have come. And that um, all of the things that uh, we've been warned about from the scriptures about the coming of the Lord are, are, are upon us and taking place and that um, the, the Lord could come at, at any moment. Um, the rapture is the next event on God's prophetic calendar. And of course, we know that no man knoweth the day or the hour. Father only knows that. 
and, um, and when he gives the signal, when he gives the word, um, then, uh, then the rapture is going uh, to take place. But uh, we understand, of course, that with each passing day, the circumstances are aligning more and more uh, for the events recorded in the book of Revelation to come to pass. And we would be foolish to live as though this were not the case. Um, we would, would have to be um, almost intentionally deceiving ourselves to not realize that, that these things are happening around us and these are happening in, in absolute accordance um, with Scripture. The tribulation period um, uh, itself is a, is a topic and a subject of, of prophecy, even going back to the Old Testament and Old Testament prophets. Um, looked forward and they foresaw the, some of the events of the, of the tribulation period. And there were some likenesses and types and some, some figures of that and really even look to um, uh, prophets like, like the book of Daniel. And you see a lot of parallels there between some things that were going to happen for Daniel in, in the, the, near, the near future and then certainly in the far off. And there's a lot of parallels there and conclusions that we can draw about um, uh, about the, the tribulation period that was going to happen. And, and, um, and Daniel was even able to look um, forward into that tribulation period. But what was held in a mystery in the Old Testament largely uh, was the, the church age, the, the New Testament church, the Gentile church, um, the, uh, the events, the 2,000-year the period that, that falls in between uh, that 70-weeks that, that, um, timeline of the book of Daniel um, Daniel didn't see that. That was held in a mystery from him. Um, his, his, his understanding was withheld from that. And certainly the, the rapture itself, uh, being a part of that, was, was also withheld. And so there are some illusions and foreshadowings um, and, and uh, references to the, the, the church and the Gentile church um, in Old Testament prophecy, but not a lot. And, and really we, we understand those um, better having the, the opportunity to look back at them and see that the Lord was speaking about those things back then. Um, but, uh, but, but as far as the, the, the rapture um, held as a mystery, and it was not something that was um, understood to be the, the inciting event, the, the initiating event of that tribulation period. Um, the, the tribulation um, uh, was held as a mystery again, or I'm sorry, the rapture and the church and the, the, the new Testament church, um, was held as a, a mystery. Um, the tribulation finds its, itself, um, in, we find the tribulation, should I say in the old Testament, because the tribulation period, uh, chiefly concerns the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, the, um, the old Testament covenants that God made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and, and, and the, the patriarchs, um, the tribulation period is a uh, is a, a completion and fulfillment of those Old Testament uh, prophecies and, and covenants that God made with them. Uh, but the rapture concerns the New Testament era believers. It doesn't concern uh, the nation of Israel. It doesn't concern a certain ethnicity. It doesn't concern a certain um, family or lineage the way that uh, much of the Old Testament uh, covenants do. And so those that have uh, trusted in Christ... Uh, and are asleep, and those that are, uh, and those that have trusted in Christ and are still alive at His coming are the ones um, with with whom the rapture has to do. Um, the ones who will go in the rapture are the saved uh, from again from the resurrection of Christ uh, from the resurrection of Christ until the the rapture of the of the of the saved. 
Uh, it is those believers that will uh, be caught up together. Um, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord um, will be caught up together with him in the air, and so shall we uh, ever be with the Lord. The word rapture comes from that expression, a, a Latinization of that expression, caught up. Um, and uh, when the scriptures were translated into Latin, um, that, that expression in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, for caught up, um, it was, uh, uh, was translated into a word that is roughly the, the same word as rapture. And, and taken that word and used that to describe this event, but that's what it means. It means to be caught up or to be caught away. And um, again, it was as this chapter we're going to look at here tonight mentions, um, it is... Uh, it was held in, in, in a mystery. Now, a mystery, just before I go any further with that, a mystery is a truth that has been withheld from man's knowledge, man's understanding, until God's perfect timing. There's many, many mysteries that, um, that, that, that were held um, until the Lord was ready to reveal them. Um, many, many mysteries um, along the way that God has revealed. And the 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 rapture itself, the truth of the rapture itself held in a mystery. What is still held in a mystery is when that will happen. And so there are still some mysteries unrevealed. And when the mystery of the timing of the rapture is revealed, it will be when the rapture is taking place. And so um, uh, there are some things that that, uh, we, we don't know about until they're taking place, but understand that it is all within God's perfect wisdom, all within God's perfect timing, and it's all uh, within God's uh, supreme um, uh, authority and sovereignty to, to, to determine these things. Often when a mystery comes to light um, and when mysteries are revealed in the scriptures, you can go back and you can find some allusions to them. You can see some foreshadowings of them. And I think we do, uh, for instance, the, the, the New Testament church, we can see some pictures of it um, that, that weren't as obvious um, in the moment and in the Old Testament era, they weren't as obvious. But when we go back and we look at that, we see that very clearly the Lord was making a reference to the New Testament church. Um, in prophecy, it says that there will be a people that um, a people that are not my people shall be called my people. God said that. What was he saying? He says there's going to be people who are not of of the the Jewish people, of the Hebrew lineage, of Abraham's family that are going to be his people. Um, we see in the, the picture, really almost in an allegorical fashion, right? We see the, the picture of the, the Gentile bride um, in, in the book of Ruth. And, and Ruth really, um, as herself, uh, kind of personifies the, uh, the, the church being um, not, uh, not having any, any, any natural or birthright claim uh, to, to, uh, to the Lord and, and to the Lord's promises and to the Lord's salvation, but being brought in by, by, by grace and, and by mercy. And so we see that, and then we can look at it, and say, a mystery was revealed, and then we can look back and say, oh yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think it was there. It was always there. But some, like the rapture, um, don't have that kind of, of uh, uh, foreshadowing, and um, nothing that we can really go back to the, the word of God and really draw from as far as to understand that it was an event that was going to take place and is going to take place still yet for us in the future, um, nor anything to really help us to, to determine when that is going to take place uh, to a specific degree other than the, the signs that the Lord gives us uh, in the Gospels. 
Um, and so um, <clears throat> the rapture, understand, could happen at any time. And, and we are simply uh, challenged to be ready for it um, on, on a day-by-day -day basis. And this is, this is the real challenge um, of this truth is that, um, that we are called to be ready for it. We are called to expect it. We are called to hope in it and hope for it. And, um, and we go day after day after day and it, ha it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. And, it, and we can become tired by waiting. We can become discouraged by, by what we perceive um, as a delay. We can become complacent. Uh, one of the challenges in Luke 12 was the, the parable of the, of the unjust servant that started to um, uh, live as if the, the master was not going to return. And when the master did return, he was in a world of hurt for it. Um, that's the challenge for us here is to be ready for the rapture. We spent a lot of time here already in that. We're going to dive into here tonight um, is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to try to get through a lot of scripture tonight um, in, in relatively quick fashion, um, get through a, a large portion here. But this is uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter um, in 1 Corinthians. And the whole chapter really speaks about the resurrection. And early in the chapter, which we're not going to rehash a whole lot of, is talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're going to read some of that because it leads into um, the truth about um, the resurrection of the saved. And, and the resurrection of the saved is the rapture. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 12, it says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain? And your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you're yet in your sins. And they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. And if then... If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. And that's an important statement that verse 20 makes there is that Christ has become the first fruits of them um, that slept. Uh, because Christ did rise from the dead and because our hope hangs on that, that truth. Our salvation hangs on that truth and that doctrine um, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And why? Because that means that Christ has power over death. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then Christ has no power over death. And if Christ didn't have power over death for himself, then he certainly can't give power over death to us who are not deity, us who are sinners, um, us who are, are relying on his grace, on his power, on his mercy, on his salvation to save us. If he could not overcome death himself, then he certainly can't give um, us the power to overcome death and to live eternally either. But Christ is risen from the dead. It says in verse 1, Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Now, first fruits um, was always um, exactly that. Um, it was uh, often, there was a, an offering of first fruits. There was a, um, a gift that was brought um, to the Lord, to honor the Lord, the first fruits um, of the harvest. And they would bring in, uh, they would get the first ripe first ripe fruits off of, um, uh, out of their fields, off of their, out of their vineyards, um, out of their, their, their groves, uh, their, their, uh, uh, off of their olive trees and all of the produce that they would 
um, uh, they would begin to reap the early harvest of that. And they would bring that to the Lord as an acknowledgement, um, as an acknowledgement um, that the Lord gave it, but also as an expectation that the Lord uh, would, would bless them manifold after the fact that it was merely the first fruits. It wasn't the all fruits. It wasn't the entirety of it. They weren't giving everything back to the Lord, but they were honoring the Lord with their first fruits, trusting that the Lord was going to bless in a manifold way, in tenfold way, or maybe more than that, um, because of their, their willingness to acknowledge the Lord's first fruits. So Christ is the first fruits. I was the first of many is what that is saying. That Christ is not going to be the one and only and he's not going to be the one even of few, but that he was going to be the first of much, much, much more that were going to be raised from the dead. Verse 21, it goes on and says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. And so it makes it clear that, that the, 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 the rest of us will be resurrected in our own order, as it says, um, after, um, after Christ um, was raised from the dead as the first fruits, and we would be afterward raised at his coming, at Christ's coming. Um, we would be, um, that the resurrection is going to take place when Christ comes back um, in the clouds. And, and he's going to go on to, to um, describe that event at the end of the chapter. In verse 24, it says, Then cometh the end. So after Christ comes, um, for those that are his own, um, uh, for, for that, that harvest, then cometh the end. And so it, it, it makes, I believe, an allusion to the fact that the, the return of Christ um, uh, at the rapture, the return of Christ uh, for those who have trusted in him and have been saved, um, that return initiates, instigates the events of the end, the, the events of the, um, the apocalypse, right? The events of the book of Revelation, the end times events um, that would follow that. It says, then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God. Uh, even the Father, when he hath put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be sub subject unto him that put all things under him, and that God may be all in all. And so um, there were in the church at Corinth, there were deniers of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There were those who said that Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead. And the problem with that coming all the way forward to this point is that if that is true, then the deity of Christ um, is um, the foundation of that. That truth is, is completely eroded and, and fractured that uh, Christ is not God if he uh, did not raise from the dead. The book of Romans says that um, he was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. That, um, uh, that, that Christ, as, as God, had to have um, risen from the dead. The gospel message hangs on the doctrine of the resurrection. Um, the gospel message by which we are saved um, is not complete without the resurrection. It is not 
only that Jesus Christ died and shed his blood, very important, but also that he was buried and rose again the third day. That is the complete um, uh, picture of the gospel message. And the gospel without the resurrection is not the gospel. If Jesus Christ died a, a vicarious death and he shed his blood, um, that, that, that would be um, uh, certainly a remarkable thing, but it is not, um, it is not, it is not all that, that, that had to take place for the gospel to be complete. Death had to be defeated also in order for um, salvation to produce eternal life uh, in those who believe. And so the, the gospel message hangs on the doctrine of the resurrection. And there were deniers of the resurrection, um, and there were uh, deniers, um, uh, uh, and, and because they denied the resurrection of the uh, of Christ, they by extension were denying that there was any resurrection at all. That that even the the saved would be um, resurrected again. That they would live again. That there was essentially they were denying that there was an afterlife. Essentially, what they were equating. Um, the Christian life too is just a code of, of, of ethics, uh, of good living, a good clean living um, by some kind of moral standard. Uh, but they were really denying that there was any life after death, there was any eternity. It's kind of unique because he challenges them with this, um, starting in verse 29. And he makes kind of an interesting statement, I think one that, that is often kind of confusing. Um, and um, I want to just take a moment to to give, give a, uh, some clarity about what, what this is talking about because in verse 29 it says, else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead and why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. It's kind of an interesting thing and, and it's caused some, some consternation about what this means, this baptism for the dead. And I just want to, I want you to understand here that um, some believed maybe that Christ had been resurrected, but they didn't believe that the saved would be resurrected or the saved would, would live again or something like that. And there were others that really didn't believe either at all. And it's interesting that Paul here uses um, the, the, the pronoun, the collective pronoun there, they, speaking about those who were practicing this thing of baptism for the dead. But then he turns right around in verse 30 and says, why stand we in jeopardy every hour? Now understand something about Paul. When you read his, when you read, um, his epistles, he never excludes himself from something that is, um, that is scriptural and is biblical, um, either by um, a, 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 a practice that Christians should do, a, a, a doctrine Christians should believe, um, or a, a, a promise that, that Christians should hold to or believe um, Paul speaks and, 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 and includes himself in those things all the time. So for him to use a uh, they as is pointing outside of himself and outside of the group that he is a part of, he's talking about those who have a, a false set of beliefs. He's talking about those who are, um, uh, are involved in, in some false doctrine, some false teaching. And certainly that was a problem in, 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 in Corinthians uh, in, the, in First Corinthians, in, in the church at Corinth, there were false teachers. There was problems, doctrinal issues there, and so it, he he is pointing to something that was not a scriptural practice. But he is pointing to the irony of the fact that these who were holding to an unscriptural practice of being baptized for the dead were doing it really in contradiction to what they claimed to believe. If they really denied the resurrection of Jesus Christ, or if they denied that. The, uh, the, 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 the saved 
who had died were going to be resurrected, then why were they also practicing something that they believed would potentially benefit someone in, in, the, um, in the afterlife? Now, of course, baptism, an uh, important step of, of personal obedience um, and um, an identification for a believer with Christ, but it has nothing to do with salvation. No one is saved because they are baptized. Baptism waters don't wash away sins, um, either literally or symbolically. Um, what what cleanses, us, cleanses us of our sins is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so a baptism is not, um, uh, it has no saving efficacy to it. Um, salvation, or, I'm sorry, even baptism is not even um, uh, so much uh, that it, it has um, really uh, anything much but a, a, a symbolic um, nature to it in that it identifies us with Jesus Christ. It is a step of personal faith and commitment um, in our relationship with the Lord. Um, it allows us to be um, included into um, the, the, the membership and, and um, the fellowship of the church, but it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't do anything um, in, in, a, in an active way for us. And so it was kind of a unique thing that they were taking baptism here. Um, some were taking baptism here to give it more weight than it did have. But because they were giving it that weight, they were then practicing baptism for the dead, which was an odd thing. It was a, a false teaching and a practice um, of people being, uh, uh, baptizing, being baptized on behalf of their deceased loved ones. Um, and for whatever the weight they were ascribing to baptism, if it was, um, if it was, uh, had some, in their minds, had some saving efficacy, some I don't know, sacramental nature to it or something like that, or otherwise they were, um, being baptized in the name of, they were being baptized in the name of their, of their dead loved ones, hoping to confer that, that blessing on on their their departed souls and paul again is not endorsing this as something that is scriptural but he is pointing out the the irony of not believing in a resurrection of the dead not believing in a a rapture not even believing in really um an, an afterlife if you would but then also trying to do something that would affect that um, and so he's pointing out the, the irony of that, that those who are the biggest critics of his doctrine, his, his, true, his true doctrine of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection uh, of the saved are also the ones who are coming up with these kind of harebrained schemes to try to do something that positively affects something that they didn't believe in uh, per se themselves. And so um, the same people practicing this also denied the resurrection and that is a, a logical contradiction. Um, and so uh, he, that's why he talks about this. Understand he's not saying this is something that, that should be done or, or must be done, but it was something that was being done um, with a false belief. And he was pointing out the, 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 the logical um, dissonance there um, between what they were doing and what they claimed to believe about, um, uh, about the resurrection. Um, in, 
verse 33, he says back, speaking back to the churches, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners, awake to righteousness and sin not for some, have not this knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. And so he's turning back to those who are believers, the ones he includes himself in when he uses the prone, personal pronoun we, um, he says, um, uh, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners and communications. It's more than just the things that we say and hear, but really the, the lifestyle that we live and really the relationships that we have. And he said, be careful about who you spend your time around because there are false teachers in this church. And there are, are false teachers who have infiltrated this church. And there are those who have these false practices um, who are saying one thing and doing another thing and none of it makes any sense. And why? Because they're just, they're just making it up based on um, their own kind of ideas about things. Says, so don't be pulled into these false beliefs about what is and what isn't. Um, and so be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners, but awake to righteousness. Um, open your eyes and, and, and be in tune with the word of God and with the Holy Spirit as he's trying to, to teach you and help to understand these things. And the Holy Spirit is going to lead us um, to, uh, uh, to, 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 to understanding uh, of what we should be doing and what we ought to be doing um, until the Lord returns. Starting in verse 35, he begins to um, speak here and kind of transitions um, uh, to another, another thought here about this. And he says, but some will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? And so he's beginning to answer, like, what, what is the, the resurrection going to look like? What is the rapture going to look like? And a lot of speculation about that, a lot of, of, uh, um, of thoughts and opinions about what it's going to look like. He says, how are the dead raised up and what will and with what body do they come? Verse 36, thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. Um, uh, it, it may a chance of wheat uh, or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him. And to every seed, his own body, all flesh is not the same flesh. There's one uh, one flesh, one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. Also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. The glory of celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is the other. There's the glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So it also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit uh, that which was not first, which, uh, howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy, and the second man is the Lord from heaven, and is the earthy, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And so now it's going to talk about uh, what we often refer to as a glorified body, the glorification um, of our resurrected bodies. Um, the, the glorified body will um, not be the same as your natural body. Uh, we don't, uh, you know, fully understand what that that means or how that's going to come to pass. But it does say that um, uh, that which uh, uh, that 
which thou sowest in verse 37, thou sowest not that body that shall be. It's going to be different. It is going to be glorified. It is going to be, as we um, uh, believe, it is going to be perfected. It is going to be made whole. It is going to be um, uh, free from the, the afflictions and the problems and the deficiencies that the natural body had um, in this life. Um, as far as the appearance, I don't know. The Bible says that we are going to know even as we are known. We're going to, uh, at that time, we're going to have um, a, a perfect uh, a knowledge of things as we, as we come to, uh, to, to see them. And so we will be known whether we look exactly like we look or have the same, um, uh, same appearances or whatever that might be is, is not clear. But the body will not be the same. Um, the location and the condition of your natural body will not determine or affect the composition of your glorified body. In 1 Thessalonians, uh, one of the questions that the Thessalonian Christians had was if, um, is if burying, burying the body of a saved person was going to prevent them from being resurrected or if somehow being under our feet was going to get in the way. If, if someone happened to be standing on their grave, would it keep them from um, going in the rapture? I mean, those kinds of things. Um, but understand that the location of the condition of your natural body will not determine or affect the composition of your glorified body. I mean, think about this. Uh, it, it's, it's tragic um, any time that um, someone, someone dies, and certainly if someone dies in, in a horrific way or something like that. Many, um, many people through the years um, have, have died in, in just really, really awful ways, um, war and tragedies and, and just different kinds of circumstances like that. And um, some, in some cases, sadly, uh, the bodies are not able to be recovered and, and properly buried and buried um, in, in unmarked graves or whatever it may be. And um, understand that, that none of that is going to matter when it comes to the rapture. None of that is going to prevent God from being able to keep his promise here. Um, there were Christians in the, in the first century, second century, and, and, and forward all the way through the Dark Ages uh, their bodies were burned at the stake. Their bodies were given to wild beasts to tear apart. And they were tortured and, and sawn asunder. And all kinds of different things that, that, that uh, church history and the Bible tells us about. Terrible things that happened to godly Christian people through no fault of their own. And that is not going to, to prevent God's ability to um, give them a glorified body. Even though they were not properly and honorably buried the way that we would hope for our loved ones and ourselves to be, um, to be uh, uh, entombed. And so understand that the, the, the location and the condition of the natural body at its death is not going to determine the composition. Um, many Christians, again, have died under tragic and unusual circumstances. Um, the spiritual body, nonetheless, will be whole and complete and perfect regardless of the body that was laid to rest at, at death. Um, <clears throat> your resurrected body uh, will not be of the same um, material, if you will. Um, Bible there in the text talks about there being um, uh, terrestrial bodies and celestial bodies, a uh, uh, flesh of, uh, of, uh, of, of, uh, of human flesh, right? A flesh of man. Uh, there's one flesh of men, there's flesh of beasts, there's flesh of fish, there's flesh of birds. But there's also celestial and there's terrestrial. And the flesh of men and birds and beasts and all of that are, are terrestrial bodies. But the bodies that we will receive, our glorified bodies, will be celestial bodies. They'll be heavenly bodies. Uh, it says that there'll be earthy bodies. There are earthy bodies and there are, are heavenly. They're spiritual. 
and um, we live and exist in an earthy body right now, um, but we will be given a spiritual body, um, one that has been glorified. Uh, your resurrected body will be, um, uh, as it said, um, uh, uh, raised in incorruption. It's sown in verse 42, the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption and raised in incorruption. And so our, our, our heavenly body, our glorified body will be uncorrupted and it will be incorruptible. It will not be plagued with the sin nature that, that you and I presently uh, fight with day in and day out. I hope we're fighting with it. But the one that we're plagued with day in and day out, um, the, the uh, uh, sin nature, it, it is it, this celestial body, this, this glorified body uh, will, be, um, will be glorified and uh, it says it's sown in dishonor and raised in glory. It will be, it will be given glory and it will be given power, um, uh, sown in weakness and raised in power. Um, it will be made whole and, and made, made good and made right and free from guilt and shame and fear and sickness and disease, made with strength and, and power and, and dignity and perfection um, and, and glorified by God. It will be spiritual and eternal. It will not be something that is that is natural and weak and earthbound, but it will be spiritual and it will be eternal. It will be heavenly. These things are all um, uh, uh, attributes of the glorified body. And then verse 50, again, it says, Now uh, I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so it speaks here of, it uses the word in um, verse 51, that we will be changed. At the end of verse 52, that we will be changed. And it describes this change as, the corruptible putting on incorruption, the mortal putting on immortality. There is a, a change or a transformation, a metamorphosis even that's taking place. And we must go through this change in order for us to go from, um, from, from the earth to heaven, from, for us to go from, uh, from death to, to life. Um, then we must go through this change. We must be changed from mortal to immortal. If we're going to live for all of eternity, um, by, by definition, your body must be different um, in, in, in nature. Um, it, it, this, this, this body that we live in um, cannot live forever and is not designed to live forever. Uh, so we must be changed from a mortal body to an immortal body. We must be changed from a corruptible body to an incorruptible body because it is that, that corruption of sin that caused death and that brought mortality. And so we can't take that corruptible nature with us into eternity or else we're going to be right back where we were. We'll again be corrupted. We'll begin uh, again be um, accursed with death because of our sin and our corruption. Understand that just as surely as Christ 
raised from the tomb, we shall be resurrected from our mortal bodies into a heavenly body, transformed from, um, from that which is dying and that which is dead into that which is, uh, is alive and, um, and, and immortal. What a wonderful, wonderful thing that this is. And verse 58 is uh, just a wonderful verse because coming out of all of this truth about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and then what that means for us, what that means about uh, our eternity, what that means about our um, life after death, the, the truth and the promise of our own resurrection, um, either from um, the, the body of this death uh, while we are alive and remain or from the grave itself. Um, these truths are always presented about the rapture, always presented as a positive thing, as an encouraging thing, as something to give us comfort and strength and peace in the midst of our trials. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Because of all of this, because of the truth of the rapture, because of the promise of, of the resurrection, because of the promise of this, um, this deliverance from, uh, from death to life, uh, we can be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. And, and, and assured of the fact that the labor that we, we go through for the work of the ministry is not in vain. The Lord is, is seeing that and he's blessing it and it's worth it. And, um, and that, that uh, it, it, will, it will seem to be worth it to us when we get there. Um, the, the, the rapture is not supposed to be a truth that terrifies us. It's not supposed to be a, a truth that causes dread in our hearts. It's supposed to be a truth that causes joy and hope and, and, and peace. And it's one that's supposed to give comfort. In, in 1, Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, both passages say comfort one another with this truth, essentially. And um, here, again, we're, we're called to an understanding of the rapture that leads us to greater faith, greater peace, greater work for the Lord, greater um, sacrifice in the cause of Christ. The mystery of the rapture has been revealed as, as much as it's going to be revealed. And what, what remains yet to be revealed is simply when it is going to take place. And, and no man knoweth the day or the hour. We are challenged to take that promise of his return and, and, and hold on to it and, and live with it in, in view so that we will um, live for the Lord and be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Um, if you find yourself wavering in that, if you find yourself not steadfast, if you find yourself to be, to be movable um, in, in these things and to, to, um, uh, to not find yourself placing great faith in, in the, the, the promise of the Lord and, and the, uh, the purpose that the Lord has given to you. Uh, come back to this and, and, and uh, come back to this truth and, and, and be reminded that the Lord is going to come and he's going to deliver us. And it doesn't have to overtake us as a thief. It, it is something that can be a, a source of great peace and joy to us. Um, while, while, while we wait, while we wait for the Lord to come, Watch, be sober, be vigilant, be faithful, be ready. Um, that's the, 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 the challenge that we're all given out of the word of God uh, when it comes to um, the rapture. Uh, let's go ahead.